Hello, and welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented to you by Melee Stats. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief of Melee Stats, and a blurb aficionado and writer for the top 100 every year. Um, usually, I'm with my you know, co-host, fellow captain of the ship, Gimme That Wheat. But today, he happens to be all the way in the UK. Uh, he's spending this week in the UK. He's going to be in Norway next week as well. Hopefully, he comes back home and we're able to talk about Melee again. He doesn't run off with a Norwegian or British maiden or anything like that. But uh, until then, I've brought on one of my um, very good Smash friends and someone who I love talking to about Melee, someone I, I've spent a lot of fun time with at events himself. Seal, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's uh, very cool to be on the podcast. Been a big fan of Melee Stats uh, podcast, the videos, everything, Discord server for like four years now. So <laughs> it's it's pretty great to have a turn to be on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so fun having you on now because I was actually reminded lately by uh, Mustache Walrus, I think, a bit ago, all the way in 2019 when he asked me if Melee Stats could have Seal on an episode. And lo and behold, three years since he sent me that, or around three years, you're here with me right now. And it and it feels like we're almost in like a different world, right? You know, Melee Stats is so different. Your contributions to the scene are so different. My contributions are honestly kind of the same, but also, <laughs> but also at like a bit of a bigger scale than usual. But I'm like, I'm so happy to have you here. And I think you're especially like, the perfect guest to have on because we we've had a really fun last two weeks of melee to break down and especially because we didn't have a show last week um i want to talk about the i want to talk about everything that's been going on in the midwest right like there's there's so much to break down um i guess the, before we get into the individual tournaments on their own seal i i, I want to talk to you about like the the current state of the midwest as far as like the melee scene goes right so like how what would you say is kind of like you know let, let's pretend that i watch only major top eights right i know my zanes i know my mangoes i know well, i guess maybe not mango this year but i saw ivw pop off after you lost a match i've seen him win tournaments also tell me like what is kind of the what's been going on in the midwest this year what's 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 it been like to follow it yeah, well, I, I think the Midwest has actually been in a pretty good spot lately. Um, it feels to me, at least, like all of the states in the Midwest sort of have their own regional. And each regional, I mean, we're getting plenty of crossover between those states. Uh, first and foremost, you have Hold That L here in Chicago. Um, one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest tournaments of the year, I believe it broke 220 entrants or, or near that, um, which I believe was actually one of the biggest regionals um, and, it, and it might be even bigger than some of the tournaments we're going to talk about today, like uh, smash factor. Um, but yeah, so Chicago has our, our regional Indiana. They have bought me, which has been going pretty strong. Um, and then in Wisconsin, not quite as frequent with the regionals, but we do have invincible, which we'll discuss in a bit in um, Minnesota has been doing amazing with their uh, Minnesota monthly melee series. Iowa is starting up a, um, every other month tournament called Run Don't Walk. Um, let's let me think here. 
Michigan and Ohio also have, have had their events as well, which I haven't been able to keep up with quite as much, but they're, they're all having their events. So it's, it's really great to see. Yeah. You know, I love that you're bringing up all these different states, right? We have seen a lot of, you know, breakouts and rising stars from all these different areas of the Midwest, right? So it's not just concentrated in Chicago. It's not just concentrated in Michigan. You got players from Indiana, you know, having having a great performances throughout the year. Obviously, we're going to go into Minnesota later, and that's going to be its its own thing. I know, um, I know you love Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm sure you got a lot of feelings that at that place i think even kentucky and tennessee have have yeah. pretty notable players to look out for i mean it's it's just great i think uh you know seal tell me if um tell me if you disagree but one thing that i've really liked about the midwest you know historically and especially this year is that no matter you know it's it's such a broad region right you know sometimes you if you talk to fendi he'll he'll say he wants great plains to be a separate region from, from <laughs> why <laughs> why would he do that yeah, but uh, I, the, the point I was bringing up is that, like, I, you got all these players in different places, like, staying very far from, you know, Zamu's, like, old region, right, Champagne. But, like, Slow King will go out to a lot of events, right? And that's kind of been the thing with the Midwest, right? It's actually, like, considering it one region, it almost, uh, if you really think about it, it it's not something that, that's, like, quite common, right? Like, most people don't think of the Northeast as one region, right? You would never consider, mm -hmm. like, Maryland in the same region as Massachusetts, but in the Midwest, you know, I, I don't know what it is. It's something, something about the culture of Midwest smash has always like enabled this, uh, this history of traveling to each other's regionals, a lot of, a lot of fun interstate rivalries and everything. So yeah, I, I mean, that's been so cool to follow this year. Um, what are some of your like favorite moments and favorite tournaments from from the Midwest this year? Would you say? Before, yeah. uh, uh, ones that we're about to jump into okay yeah without without stuff we're getting into i mean it's got to be hold that l for me that that's the the biggest one it's uh chicago's in a great spot where it's sort of like this most central big state in the midwest i mean maybe you could say indiana is a bit more central but that's a bit harder for minnesotans and whatnot to get to um but yeah hold that l is a phenomenal tournament series um it's it's long it's been a long time running that's that was the seventh installment this year in june um and yeah like i mentioned before it's one of the biggest regionals that's occurred this year we got people coming in from all over uh, minnesota showed up wisconsin showed up iowa showed up obviously illinois indiana showed up and ohio and, and even michigan as well so um it yeah it's definitely hold that out that to me feels like the um I mean, if, if you're talking about like the Midwest tournament, to me, it's hold that L. You know, I, I think that's such a great pick. Um, one of my favorite memories of the year, actually, as far as Midwest tournaments go, is when Ginger had that big run at hold that L7. Um, you know, it was kind of fun to follow because I, I feel like both he and Zamu had very big performances at that event. Obviously, Zamu being sent to loses early and then just blowing by a ton of the midwest best players on on route to third i think ben winning that tournament was especially impressive because of the you know the level of talent that was there both within the broader midwest and out of the region as well i think that's a great pick for for best midwest tournament of the year yeah. but of course 
going to go into two other contenders right now. Yeah, I, I just want to mention really quick, though. I hate to correct you so quick. Ginger wasn't actually at hold that L7, unfortunately. Did I say Ginger? Yeah, I, Ginger was at six, which he no, did. No, no, he actually. was at six. That, that's not what I, 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 I... When did I say Ginger? Um, I think you said Ginger had a run. Perhaps you just meant Ben. No, no, I, I meant Zamu. Oh, Zamu. Okay, because you did Zamu's say Zamu after. Gotcha, gotcha. All good, all good. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's an amazing pick. I think there's there's so much to jump into when when it comes to you know what happened in the last two weeks. But let's let's get into Invincible then, right? There's mm-hmm. so much to talk about in this tournament, but I think um, obviously we have to get the the big storyline out of the way, which I think is hundred grand winning this tournament. Oh yeah. And uh, if you've ever listened to the show or you just heard me and Wheat or Ambi talk about LA, let alone the Midwest, inevitably, you know, one of the conversation topics that we bring up is, you know, play, hidden bosses and players that we love betting on that nobody else knows are good, right? So the joke, I guess I shouldn't even say a joke, but the line was that 100 grand was going to win us 100 grand. He was going to help and he was going to buy us a yacht by virtue of us betting on him in so many sets. And I think uh, I think the last two weeks we we saw a lot more of hundred grand than I think a lot of people would have uh, would have anticipated heading into this year. Yeah, I mean we were lucky to get to watch him at two Midwest regionals in a row. Typically, um, like you only get to see him. He'll sometimes show up to like Minnesota locals every once in a while. I think he went to two or two of them just before. Um, but then the the main performances is like. You'll see him at the Minnesota Summit. Uh, I believe he got second at the last one to Ben. This was um, prior to uh, quarantine, though. And then uh, he, for some reason, I guess he, he likes Invincible a lot. I think he might have some family in the area, um, grandparents perhaps, I, I think he mentioned. Um, but yeah, there, there's just some magic in the air for him when he travels out to Madison. He's just unbeatable there. <laughs> Never lost the set, maybe. I don't know if he's competed besides the two Invincibles anyone yeah i mean i think that uh especially because uh he was a little rusty heading back in you know within minnesota i know that he uh he didn't beat joey or or preeminent in his like first uh first try like when he was kind of getting back in shape but you know this invincible run depending on i i think well one of the things by the way just on a on a side note that made invincible really uh really exciting is that it, it wasn't quite like it's not an attention grabbing tournament with like top hundred players that everybody knows. But what I think it was is, is a tournament with a lot of people with who, if given the right bracket path or playing very well on a day, could accrue a resume that or like results that could get them in contention for top hundred, right? So obviously, I think a uh, hundred grand is one of those players. You know, this is someone that just barely missed the top hundred in 2019, I believe. And, uh, you know, at the end of quarantine, or the first, you know, at the end of quarantine, wins a local over Ben and then just disappears into the mountains. You know, just like a really, you know, kind of like the hidden boss of Minnesota in a sense. So him coming by here, winning this tournament over a lot of talented players. Um, We're going to get into Chape, obviously, later, of course, as, you know, our own player. Um, I think winning over Slow King is especially impressive as well. I believe Hunter Graham was actually like the 13th seed or something at this tournament, also be, be yeah. in part because he had come to, back to Minnesota locals like fairly rusty, so which which is kind of a, you know, after the fact, you know, because we know who Hunter Grand is, it, it doesn't seem as wild. But, you know, it, 
but also at, at the time, I think it's important to recognize that like, you know, it wasn't clear which hundred grand we were going to get. And yeah, know. yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, I, I think that's, I mean, as someone who seated the event, uh, I, I would defend that as saying, I think it's fair to put someone who we've seen at two tournaments, um, mm -hmm. in the last like three years on the lower end of their range, like for sure he, he could have been like the, I don't know, like the sixth seed or something, um, maybe even like fifth or fourth, but uh, that is like within the lower end of his range. Um, and which, I mean, yeah, probably should have given him a bit more benefit of the doubt, but that we'll definitely do that next time. Yeah. And I think like with Invincible in particular, like we were talking about this like group of players before, right? Like maybe people that may not instantly stand out as top 100, but you see their results in region, you know, they're among the best people in their region. You, and you realize like, yeah, you know what? This person's playing well at this tournament. They could maybe get two or three like wins on ballot level players that people know. And I think we saw like a version of that with Q at this tournament too, right? Like I think Q for a long time, uh, you know, people know him as like a Midwest Dr. Mario, but I think he's really putting his name up there in contention for like, you know, is, is he better than Franz right now by results? Probably not, but I think, but I think in terms of like his trajectory as a player, I think uh, certainly beating Morse code at this tournament, he was still someone very solid. I think like a, like one of, one of the stronger players in the Midwest around. I, I certainly think that's, that's something particularly uh, impressive that that stands out. Yeah. And I'd like to also shout out Q um, similar to 100 grand is, is a player who seems to have some uh, good fortune at Invincibles. Uh, he actually did super well at Invincible 4, which was the prior one that he attended. Um, if I remember correctly, he placed third there, actually defeating a bunch of uh, the Chicago PR on the way. So it was, a, it was a very good tournament for him. And he showed up as well this one, making it to winter semis uh, with that three, I believe, 3 0 on Danny Phantom and a 3 0 on Morse code. Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, that's that's not an easy thing, right? No, I yeah. always feel like uh, with someone like Morse Code, even if this is, you know, not someone who's Omega active, like maybe some of the other players around his level, you know, that's a very steady presence, right? You, you can't really fluke a victory over someone like Morse Code. You, like, yeah. it's, it's, like I, I think beating him in a tournament like this is a very good sign for Q's trajectory as a player. And obviously, as you know, as as one of Chicago's best, I, in my opinion, I think uh, Q is definitely someone really exciting to look out for, which makes you know the, the Fox player who who did send Q to <laughs> losers. I think another uh, really exciting part of this this tournament, right? So, oh, yeah. in addition to the Midwest, you know, itself and all the players that it entails, we get to see you know a Chilean player invade the Midwest. That yeah, it's just been a joy watching Chape in the States, obviously, as as our player and you know, as, as one of my friends, it's, it's great talking to him about his performances and seeing how he improves and seeing his thoughts in the game and everything. But you know, I, I would say invincible like I think double down for many people who have been following Chape's results, I think it was believable, right? Yeah. I think it was believable, it was a good performance from him. I think Invinci Invincible was another performance of that kind of caliber, right? where he, you know, he's solidly beating a lot of strong players. So, you know, obviously beating Q in winner's bracket, um, beating, beating Morse code and losers, you know, falling short to 100 grand. Uh, but I think this is another, like, very promising sign that, you know, 
Chape was someone that who, who I truly thought with experience against other NA players and not just Latin America could accrue the kind of resume and, you know, slowly build his way up toward like getting that kind of gave those kinds of results. I would put his name on the ballot. Right. And, yeah. you know, if, if he didn't get the opportunity to travel here, maybe he doesn't have that. Maybe he doesn't have that same kind of name recognition or, or, um, or ability to compete against those players. So what would, you say, um, what would you say like stood out about Chape in your opinion? I know you saw some of his matches. Yeah, I got to commentate his top eight sets, which was great. I, and I was going to mention um, how, how fortunate is it that he got to show his prowess in the Dr. Mario matchup. Um, like you, you come to America, you're probably not likely to actually get to play one of the best Dr. Marios in tournament. But it just so happened that Q made an amazing run to make it to winner's semis just so that Chape could show off his Mille Chileno. Um, Mille and, yeah, with all the HP and uh, Kaioisi experience that he has, uh, t- took that set 3-1, only losing on FD, which, I mean, it's FD. Sometimes that'll happen. But, yeah, it, that was a great showing for him. Um, he, he just looked so good in the matchup. And as well against Morse Code, um, now, I don't – think he plays against Samus very much these days, but um, him and Morris do net play. So it's cool that they got to play in person. Um, yeah, I, almost, uh, I was going to correct you and say they actually kind of play on, uh, yeah. they play on my buffer. Like, yeah, they do. 150 <laughs> Chile to, to Michigan. Oh man. Shout out to Morris for actually being willing to do that. That's, that's some crazy person stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, uh, you know, Fox Samus, I, I, I will say, I, I think when I imagine how that would go on, um, on like, you know, long distance ping or whatever, I, I can't really tell who the more annoyed side would <laughs> be, right? That just seems miserable for everyone. So, I, like, yeah. like, the Samus player is upset because, like, the Fox player is doing stuff that, you know, like, they can't react to, but the Fox player is mad because their inputs are getting... Uh, or not uh, like registering or whatever Chafe was telling me about he's like yeah this time when he does aerial interrupts he's not gonna teleport right past me and then attack me <laughs> it's like oh yeah you can actually you can actually play around it yeah I mean it's it, it's so great seeing someone like Chafe come up here being able to take on like the other um being able to take on other of the you know midwest like upper upper level talent you know what was kind of the I, I guess one question i have for you is what was kind of the vibe when he was there like was there people looking at him like oh this is chape like i wonder how good this guy is like what what was kind of the vibe and hype surrounding him at the event itself yeah so to be honest i think a lot of um midwestern players probably just had no idea who he was um i mean to be fair to chape like he's an excellent player but he just doesn't have that name recognition yet um, he hasn't had like a big run at a national. I mean, sure, Double Down was impressive. He did defeat Max there, um, as well as Fizzwiggle, who took took a big name of his own. But uh, like just that one term, it's not enough to make Chape known by people who don't uh, like trawl through brackets to see what happened or or like scroll through the whole stream VOD to look and see if there's any interesting sets that happened. Um, but the people who did know him, um, such as many of the members of the Melee Stats podcast Discord who were present, um, they were definitely excited to watch him. I was super excited to watch him and also looking forward to playing him. Though, unfortunately, that did not happen as I was slain by Le Monster. Shout out to him. Um, 
because I, I was going to play him after that in bracket. But I did get to play friendlies, which was cool. Because um, I was like, well, I just want to see what Chape can do in the Sheik matchup, seeing as that is his strongest one. Um, and I was also really hoping to get to see him play some of his other strong matchups too, which which was just great. So I think the vibe was for people that were people that were in the know, they were very excited. And then maybe for people that didn't know, they were uh, surprised and, and uh, they were about to learn. Yeah, and I think... Uh... You know, that's such a great way of putting it, right? Because I think, you know, if if Invincible was really the hint of the kind of performance that Chafe could have at an event with strong talent, I think that 4M was really the place where, you know, we, we saw him get to not only put his skills to the test against strong opponents, we got to see Chafe, like, really, really uh, put on a clinic against players that I think that everybody... Everybody in the scene knows nowadays, right? Like you, you don't have to be in the melee stats Discord server to know people like Mech or any Mexico anymore. And I think this is kind of like a this is kind of a nice transition into talking about 4M, right? Because I, I think that um, I think that you know obviously for Chape, this is his best performance at an any event, like right? Like you could you could talk about Smash World Tour and how he took a set from Spark and Pools. You could talk about consistent performances at Double Down. And, you know, having a strong silver medal showing at Invincible. But I think 4M is really where we got to see him test himself against a lot of the a lot of the top players, like, you know, household names in the scene, right? Yeah. So, you know, th- th- there's so much to go into there. But uh, I want to talk about his set against Mech for a little bit, because if, if there's something that especially stood out about it, it was really his sense of, like, game planning in, against Captain Falcon in spite of the fact that Chile and South America, for that matter, doesn't have a top Captain Falcon quite, quite like mm-hmm. obviously you and NA. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I thought that was really impressive. Um, it it, it kind of caught me off guard too, because I don't think, uh, I think it's very difficult to like, you know, especially as box, right? Like, uh, like playing a matchup that you might not necessarily know the spacings to, like at a, or like have that kind of experience, like, you know, live experience playing, playing in. And I just think that's so impressive that he basically beat like a top 50 Falcon on his first try ever. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. He's, he's definitely, that was sort of a point where he was untested, I would say. Um, so it, it was just great to see success, immediate success at that. Um, and then after that, his set with Ben, oh man, that was my personal favorite set of the tournament even though the gameplay may have not quite been uh, 100% on both ends. I don't know what on earth happened in game four, but Ben yeah, that was game four. <laughs> I just want to say the fact that Ben was able to turn around and win the set is actually insane. Like that yeah. level of resilience is crazy. I would have been in shambles. I, I especially struggling with Fox personally, but I, I would have just been so in shambles. I don't know why he went for that ledge dash though. There was just no reason to do there it. There was no reason for it. <laughs> oh man. But Ben, he gifted us more uh, Ben versus Chape gameplay, which is great because I was really, really hoping that we'd get at least one set between them during Chape's time in Minnesota. We barely missed out on it at the pre-forum local. So it was great to see that. Because um, again, that that's Chape's best matchup. I mean, unless maybe Dr. Mario or Luigi is, but of the top tiers, Sheik is his number one. Um, we've seen him take such big wins in that with Spark, Fizzwiggle, Max, etc. 
Um, so yeah, it was great to see him, even though he didn't come out on top. Um, I mean, I can't be too sad seeing Sheik win, but, uh, yeah. I can because it's my, it's my player. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, uh, obviously you said it before, right? So top eight, Ben wasn't an amazing, like high gameplay set of melee. No, but we got to see them play in tournament, which is something that I think, uh, we knew it was going to be exciting and down to the wire, even if even if it was not quite for the way that we anticipated. <laughs> it was a very competitive set. It was fun seeing them go back and forth. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy we got to see that, even if my my player didn't come out on top. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was happy to see was Chape almost or basically like immediately um, turning it around, or like nearly immediately or whatever, like turning it around, uh, not just beating lowercase hero afterward, like very strong, strong player from Wisconsin, That's but immediately boy. like <laughs> destroying Eddie Mexico. This is, which again, this, this blows my mind. Cause the, cause the beginning of the set, like Eddie was kind of a, Eddie had like a pretty solid lead, barely held on to a tight game one. And then Chape just turned it around with some of the best Fox Luigi play I, I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, uh, I saw people freaking out about Chape's ability to shark Luigi, which, which is typically kind of hard because if he falls on you with that nair, uh, especially as Fox, like you can really get opened up. But apparently Chape knew exactly his spacings for um, just not letting him land ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, and also just, by the way, doing that kind of thing against Eddie Mexico is not easy. Eddie yeah. Mexico has made like, top 50 spacey players look helpless before we've seen eddie mexico put beat downs on players that that are considered like in another caliber of skill to chape so for chape to actually go out and put on a clinic against you know maybe the best probably the best luigi player in the world right now um i mean i, I think it speaks uh, volumes to his ability and, and and like you know his way of immediately like you know sticking to a game plan and being able to implement it on the spot Again, I, I have to say, like, basically his, basically his first time like playing against a top fifty Luigi in bracket and just being able to execute exactly what he wants. I um, I, I talked to him for a bit after the set, and the funny thing he said that he didn't feel like he played that good and just went for consistent edge guards instead of the correct ones, which is very funny. So you know, we'll we'll get into Smash Factor later, but if Chape and Eddie play again. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how it would go and how Chape yeah. feels about it moving forward. Yeah, maybe he'll be even more confident. That would be pretty scary for Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I will say it was a bit of a shame to see um, Chape go from that to having to play 100 grand again. Ah. But, but, but uh, you know, on, on a positive note, I think that being able to go from, you know, I love Chape, but frankly, getting clipped on and dumpstered in a 6 0, going from that to being like extremely competitive with him yeah. a weak level of turnaround i think is so impressive on on chape's end yeah i mean he may have gotten reverse 3-0'd in that set at uh 4m but it, it was still close that was so down to the wire 100 grand essentially won that set off of an up air sdi last stock game five that basically was what won him the entire set uh the fact that he was able to escape that one up air so i mean I, I wasn't expecting that to be so close so quickly. That was, that was a great showing by Chape compared to the prior weekend. 
Yeah. And especially because a hundred grand, you know, the, the same day we, yeah. we saw a hundred grand take a set over Zuppy, which is not an easy thing to do. Right. So. No, not at all. But speaking of Zuppy, what an insane losers run he had after dropping down there. I mean, he beats Ben in a game five, which sure it, it is Fox cheek. You do have sort of an advantage in that matchup, but Ben just beat Chape earlier in the bracket and Chape is amazing at that matchup. So that's a great sign. And then um, if I remember correctly, uh, hundred or Zuppy nearly got reverse 3-0'd by 100 grand, but uh, barely. He reversed 3-0'd 100 grand. Oh, he, right. He reversed 3-0'd 100 grand. That's right. He won on FD uh, mm -hmm. twice in a row, didn't he? That was so impressive too. Yeah. I mean, Marth is one of the characters where some people feel is so hard to reverse 3-0 in like as a, as a spacey. Um, so that was some phenomenal play by Zuppy. Then going on into losers finals where he just absolutely disposed of Bobby. Yeah, I've never like, you know, I, I've seen Bobby lose pretty bad before. You know, Bobby, great player, obviously, but like I've seen him get destroyed before. That was like a Jerry caliber set. Like that reminded me of <laughs> the, the old um, days. Yeah. Oh man, that, that second game where he literally took one laser until basically halfway through Bobby's last stock. I mean, that, that was, that was unbelievable. That, that was, yeah, that was a crazy set. Then finally, uh, Zuppy heads on into grands against salt who didn't really seem to have that difficult of a time. Uh, just looking at the bracket right now, um, salt actually went to game five with Lexer. So shout out to Lexer, but then, 3-0'd Eddie and 3-0'd Ben and 3-1 and Bobby to make it to Grand. So Salt, besides the Lexer set, hadn't really um, been taken too close, but Zuppy just came in with the fire and immediately got a 3-0. It's sort of like the Grand Finals classic where you get a 3-0 in the first set into a, a much closer set two. Um, but yeah, there, there was some really exciting play from Zuppy uh, in that loser's run. You know, I do think it's funny the group of players that Zuppy beat because it almost like it, like uh, obviously it's very impressive, right? I'm not downplaying the achievement. I think reverse three owing a hundred grand, especially, is like not a not an easy thing to do as Fox. And uh, obviously, like beating all those players cumulatively is quite strong. But I will say it's kind of like a salt mine performance, but in real life. Yeah, people were saying that. I I saw I saw people say that. That that was a that was definitely a funny observation. Because a lot yeah, of, and one of the, their net players. Yeah, and one of the things, like, anyone that's that's followed that uh, online weekly series is that, like, Zuppy's been dominating it a lot, right? And he typically dominates it by beating people like Bobby Big Balls and Sal Salt and Mech, right? He's mm. he's kind of had those threes number in, in recent memory. So it's very funny that he ended up just, like, playing all three of them in real life and, and beating them, which is kind of just kind of hilarious, not going to lie. Yeah. It, and a bit of a shame that it came after the um, it came after the PGR season, but I think it's the kind of performance that, like you know, he he was sort of lacking on land, or excuse me, on, on land, and you know, it, being able to get it now is is a bit like you know, it shows that you know he's beginning to translate some of his online success into into offline. So we'll we'll yeah. see where it goes from here. And I mean, hey, it does count for the year-end ranking, which I would say is definitely a bigger deal than this top 50. Top 50 is is great and all, but the year-end ranking is the one that people really look to the most. So 
it'll be great for Zafian there. And he even mentioned in his winner's interview, he, th- he thought it was kind of amusing where him losing to uh, 100 grand in winner's quarters actually allowed him to rack up more wins on uh, the people. Because, like, say he beat 100 grand, he probably would have fought Salt in winner's finals, maybe won that right there, and then played one other person in grands. But instead, by losing to 100 grand, he gets to gets to beat Ben, he gets to beat, uh, or first J-Flex, then Ben, then uh, 100 grand, then Bobby, then... So he just got to basically take a win on everyone. And, I mean, 100 grand loss, that's not going to look bad on your resume. No one's going to yeah, see 100 I, grand loss and be like, oh, I don't know, that, that's going to hurt him. <laughs> yeah, 100 grand loss to me, like, I don't know. I, I could just be overrating him. But to me, like, if, if you're, even if you're a top 50, like, spacey player you know if you have a lost 100 grand to me it's it's like i may as well exist in like a it's like a, i don't think there's similar players at all but it's like having a like for some of the people on their on the ballot this year like they had a loss to like chew that it's like that doesn't that doesn't tell me anything like that that could be a that could be a top that could be like a loss to a top 50 player it could be a loss to yeah. that like another top 40 player could have had you, you know what i mean like yeah. you're kind of like transported into a different dimension and then like you exactly. go back that's what i view a lost 100 grand as it's like it's like that, that's not like that doesn't tell me anything about like a, if a spacey player loses to 100 grand exactly yeah that, that was basically what, what i meant when i was like no one's gonna look at that and, and like penalize them for it um, they might be like, wait, who is 100 grand? Well, actually, no, all the ballot, all the balloters are going to know who 100 grand is. You're not getting a ballot if you don't know who he is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, no one's going to no one's going to hurt Zappi for that one. So, yeah, amazing performance by him there. 4M was a great tournament to watch. Uh, shout out to all the TOs. Also, shout out to the Invincible TOs as well, because I didn't do that yet. But, yeah, shout out to them. So what was kind of the what was kind of the vibe like at, at 4M? I uh, I actually really wanted to go, but my move-in date was uh, was like that that same week, so I, I needed the weekend off. Mm-hmm. But uh, what what was the kind of the vibe at 4M like? What was it like attending the tournament? So I actually did not get to attend the tournament, unfortunately. I really did want to, um, but it wasn't quite. Well, why did I think you attended the tournament? Oh, I mean, I am Midwest. I, a lot of also a lot of the melee stands. Uh, discord people did go like indiana showed up um uh, oh my god this is so embarrassing i thought you went to 4m <laughs> no i didn't i, oh I, I watched it all though you're good at win <laughs> oh my oh god. god i just owned myself <laughs> so I, thought, I thought you went to 4m and invincible oh my god yeah. no no i didn't but i mean I, I kept up with it really closely since a lot of friends were there and a lot uh, of people... what am i going to talk to you about now i ha- i was i had i had the whole like 10 minutes i was going to talk to you about <laughs> attending 4m now i got nothing <laughs> shut off the podcast <laughs> yeah, we gotta stop now. No, no, i'm just kidding yeah. uh I like I, I feel like there's a lot to to talk about for like each of the individual players at this event, like like things that we learn, right? Yeah. So I, I wanna kind of go back to Chape for a second because uh you know this is someone who again we we mentioned this before, like part of the melee stats sponsorship process and like sort of what influences the kind of players that we, we try to go after is we try to sponsor people that we're we're not sure of uh so there's there's basically two things, right? So it's like this player is very uncertain or kind of in a crossroads at their career where they're not able, they don't have the resources or opportunities to like take the next step and figure out what they want to do with it. Right. But inevitably part of that is also, you know, 
this player part like if this player really is dedicated to the game they don't have the opportunity to grind for top 100 because they're in an obscure region or their circumstances you know be it financial or anything else don't allow them to get that kind of practice against top 100 players right so i think for someone like chape um heading into 4m you know, an event that that's not a major, but it's still quite stacked with a lot of you know well-known players. This is this is your opportunity to take some names that we would take for granted as names on the ballot, and you know, in the process, get broader name recognition and sort of prominence as someone whose name would end up on the ballot himself, right? Exactly. So I think for Chape, you know, the ability to beat two players like. Eddie Mexico and Mech, that is going to help us. That is going to help us top hundred chances a lot in comparison to other players who may be at that skill level, but but don't have that kind of you know standout standout results like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that I mean, Mech, Eddie Mexico, th- those are both players that I think we're quite likely to see in this summer top fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to claim wins on them, I mean, because they're what they're being ranked for. Is stuff that's already happened so basically they can be considered top 50 wins if they make it on there um so yeah like those are both definitely going to be resume builders for chape um and great data points for people that are looking to possibly rank him at the end of the year um hopefully we are able to get a bit more data at smash factor this weekend um but yeah i'm sure i'm sure that those will be big data points for people to look to by the year's end yeah so um, I actually know some of Chape's like big, uh, big records and like sets off the top of my head. So without counting locals, not not because I think locals shouldn't count. I'm just <laughs> offhand, right? So when we think of Chape's like r- resume in terms of like notable sets, um, he's he's gonna love listening to this, right? He's yeah. he's my player, but you know I'm I'm able to view these things like sem- like semi neutrally, right? Like a balloter, right? So this is kind of like the beauty of the showcase. So this is what Chape's shown us in the meantime, right? So he's got a win on Fizzwiggle. He's got a win on Max. He has a loss to Hungrybox, and he has a loss to Frenzy, okay? Mm-hmm. So more or less, as far as, like, big sets or notable sets against, like, like prominent players, that's what, that's what he has from Double Down. Along with that, he has a win on Q. He has a win on Morse Code and two, two losses to 100 grand from Invincible. Then at 4M, he has a win on uh, – he has a win on Mech. Is a win on Eddie Mexico. He has a loss to Ben, and he has another loss to 100 grand, right? So just kind of putting all of that together, you have on the negatives, you have 300 grand losses, you have a hungry box loss, and you have a frenzy loss, right? You have, and then on the other hand, you have you know two two wins and Fizzwiggle and Max, who I they were not. I I don't think I'm spoiling it really for anyone when I say that they were not on the ballot for top 50. But those are two players that might that that could end up on the ballot for top 100 at the end yeah. of the year. Well, they make top 100. I don't know, but but they'll be on the ballot. But I I think they'll they'll manage to be on the ballot. So you have those two. You have Q and Morse Code, who I think I think Morse Code will probably end up on the ballot for top 100. Q maybe maybe like a, yeah. a big event here or there. It certainly in more activity and, from them. And then you have Eddie Mexico and Mech. So these are like six very notable players that that could be ranked anywhere from you know, bottom end of top 50 to maybe just outside top 100 or on the final ballot, right? So you have six sets against those which he won, and then you have, uh, and then you have six sets which he lost that are, uh, you have six sets which he lost, three of which are to 100 grand, unfortunately, and the other three which are to Hungrybox, Frenzy, and Ben, right? 
So if you, so now this is the point that I want to bring you to, right? And I want to hear your thoughts on this. If you just saw those list of results, but you didn't know who the player was, who is the player that I could tell you that it was that you would believe me? Mm. So if I told you that Scarzo performed like that, would you believe me? Let's see. The wins, definitely. I mean, I would probably, well, actually, maybe not the Morse code win, honestly. Knowing Scarzo, that one might not go in his favor. He um, might be frenzy. To, that's to, true. To be that is true. He did defeat Ginger. So, yeah, frenzy is also beatable for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I would I would believe it. Um, I think that those are definitely uh, wins that I could see Scarzo getting and, and losses I could see him having as well. Yeah. So like so just just to kind of give this a little more meat, Scherzo is someone that is a uh, that is almost certainly going to finish in the top 50, yeah. right? I was And this is what Yeah, and this is what um Chape has shown us in a month of coming here, right? Now, who knows what Smash Factor holds for him, but you know, I I really want to highlight this because I I think it gives like an important insight into sort of like the kind of players that exist overseas that don't get that don't get these kind of opportunities. And then when they have opportunities like these, they're able to really capitalize on them and like show us how great they are. So I, I'm just uh, really happy with him. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot else to talk about with with 4M. You know, we can talk about Salt's run, the second place. We can talk talk about Ben. We can talk about all these other runs and whatnot. But you know, obviously, my focus is going to be on Chape and just just stating how really proud I am of him. You know, just both as a friend, but also as a genuine fan of the game who loves seeing talent like Chape be be given the opportunity that that he deserves frankly for the amount of work that he puts into the game yeah no it's it's so um it's so wonderful to see international melee players get the chance to shine i mean this year has already been pretty rife with that too we've seen um josh man putting himself into the top 15 um mm-hmm. seen amsa looking better than ever um so it, it's just really wonderful to see like people getting the chance to show themselves on the big stage and uh, take some names down. So absolutely with you there. Uh, just was rooting for Chape in essentially every set that he played, except against lowercase hero, because I can't root against my boy like that. <laughs> All right, I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's so great. I, I'm glad that you you bought my uh, Skurzo comparison. Obviously, Skurzo is someone, you know, uh, I, I love Chape. I, w- I will be fair. Skurzo is someone that we've seen enter a ton of tournaments and really grab it, grab that kind of resume for himself. So I, th- I think in the eyes of most people, his results would be like, you know, more established than Chape. But mm-hmm. the fact that you can take, you know, someone like Chape's list of results and that they would come, you know, you could compare it with the stretch of time for Skurzo, right? It's certainly very promising. And I love your comparison that you, that you brought up to Josh, because, you know, this is, this is someone else from a from a region that that's good, but but relatively isolated from the rest of the North American and like the main the main you know central hub of the whole scene, right? And that's something that Chape's talked to me a lot about, right? You know, taking inspiration from people like Pipsqueak in, in Stockholm and taking inspiration from people like Josh Mann as well. So I'm really excited to see where he goes from here. But I think we're going to take a bit of a detour now, but we'll, we'll get back into talking Chape and everything Smash Factor related. But we have a really fun uh, tournament coming up this weekend in Fate. You know, every year, uh, we, we puts it so well, right? He says, 
this is, you know, the tournaments that you really want to go to. Sometimes you want to go to them so bad, but you're not able to like, uh, you're not able to, you know, necessarily go to it the year. So they become a next year major, right? Yeah. For so long, Fate and Air has been that next year major for me. It remains that next year major for me. But obviously, Wheat is there right now. SF is there as well as far as fellow Melee Stats people. Dark Gen X, a member of the Melee Stats cinematic universe, is there. Is there also? I am really excited to talk about this tournament. I, I think we're, we're getting to see a lot of EU talent there. We're seeing Spark. We're seeing AMSA. We got some great international representation there as well. Obviously, we have Melee Stats' his own Pipsqueak. I mean, there's so many directions that we could go into when, when talking about this tournament. So, Seal, I want to toss it over to you. Where where do you want to start? Yeah, so I, I have the bracket open right here. I'm looking through it right now. I'm noticing that Skurzo is actually going, so that, that's going to be pretty fun. Um, yeah, seeing he's seated to play. Um, is it Abby or Ab? I, th I think it's Abby, right? Because it's short. No, Abe. Abe, okay, Abe. Yeah, so that actually should be pretty interesting. Another uh, Melee Stats player just recently announced. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, Marth, not quite one of Skirzo's best matchups. So I could definitely see that one possibly swinging. Um, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. I don't quite know how good Abe is against um, Fox. I do know he's very excellent against Floaties, but um, not quite as, as uh, certain about Fox. Um, I'm also noticing that uh, Jad or Jade. I, sorry, I, I don't know how to pronounce. Jade. Jade. Okay. The the uh, European um, unranked terror is is in attendance. That is so exciting. Also a chic player. So someone that I'm looking forward to watching. Um, man, that yeah. That, I mean, we have Etai as well. Speak not even a an a, a EU player, but a US player. Uh, who's been um, living in Israel, uh, former top of uh, New Jersey player. So, I mean, we haven't seen him in a while. That's going to be super exciting. We're seeing Mint Seal. I haven't Mint, seen Mint in yeah, so Mint long. Too. Yeah, I, absolutely. There's just so many, I don't know, th this is going to be a really cool tournament to see a bunch of people that we either haven't seen or people that we haven't seen tested in certain ways um, get their chance to sort of make a name for themselves yeah i mean it is kind of funny because uh, i i don't think they're changing the seating but if they do by the time we release this podcast apologies but you know hungry box was supposed to be the number one seed here he even came to the uk apparently but i guess he had to go back home because of something a team like I, I don't know what that's about <laughs> contractual obligation i mean hey it's better than personal reasons am i right <laughs> yeah it's better maybe you know maybe Maybe he showed up without a mask or something. They just told him, absolutely not. They got him out of there. Oh, God. Maybe the UK deported him back. They caught him uh, unmasked. Uh, Throw blood in, in the airport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I think there's there's so much to talk about. Like we we uh, you you mentioned a lot of the people there. I think obviously like there's going to be a lot of UK talent there as well because it's in their homeland. So you got your profs. Got frenzies we we mentioned mint before um you, you got luan there also from ireland who who i'm par particularly excited to see I, i'm like a big believer in that guy um i think you're, you're getting to see max you're seeing you know a lot of dutch talent come out like fountain l who who we saw in gommel earlier this year yeah i mean there's there's a ton going on um 
I will say, like, you know, if if Hungry Rocks, you know, since Hungry Rocks is not going, I do think the field of competitors that could potentially win becomes quite interesting, doesn't yeah. it? So, yeah. like, you, so if assuming the ceiling doesn't change, I think Sparks' path to to winners finals gets significantly easier. But you also have Amsa and Pipsqueak on the other side of you know for projected winners bracket showdown. You have uh, you have people like Skurzo, and then depending on if he decides to enter or play Peach or whatever, you have even Triff making making a return. So why don't I ask why don't I ask you something? What who do you think is a going to be the surprise pick? At fades, mm. you had to pick one European player who you think is going to make a really big breakout. Um, mm. Who do you who do you think it is that that nobody's paying attention to, or that maybe the mainstream isn't uh, following? Hmm, that is a good question. I mean, I will say I think Prof has an amazing bracket, even mm-hmm. before Hbox draw. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure Hbox. Or no, actually, we didn't get to see Proffer's HBox at Gommel because uh, he he was slain by Ben, um, which would have been really cool. I mean, Prof has Prof has his bracket right now. It, it it's going to benefit from the HBox DQ, but it was uh, Luan into Mac, um, and I mean he's incredible against Captain Falcon. We mm-hmm. all know that. Um, and then into Hungry Box, who it looks like will now be replaced by Etai. Now I don't exactly know. Um, if Etai is going to be playing Fox or Jigglypuff, I don't know what he really is is up to when it comes to playing melee these days. But I mean, Prof, I would say is going to be favored in either of those matchups. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I I would be very surprised if we don't see Prof making it to winter semis. Um, and then again, even if we did have Hungry Box there, there is a good chance for Prof to take him down once again. I mean, it's still hungry. It's been yeah, so long. It right? is. Box. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. kind of like, it, like when when used to play Hungry Box and people would quote Apex 2015. That's true. Fair enough. But I, I was... but I do think that like the the fact that you bring up Profit as a beneficiary of him not being there is very apt because yeah, Prof is disgusting good against Captain Falcon. I could totally see him taking taking a set from Mech, if not beating him twice at, at the same mm-hmm. tournament, right? We've historically seen Prof do extremely well when given the opportunity in that matchup. And even heading into a winter summer sem excuse me, winter semi showdown with Spark. I mean we just saw we just saw Prof win a win a local over him here, right? So mm-hmm. could he could he beat him a third time in a row at at fate? It is asking a lot, but you know if if you've done it twice already, you just got you, you know, if, if you're him, that's the kind of draw that you would want to see on, on the way to winners finals. So I think that's a great pick. Yeah. And just think about it. The UK crowd is going to be absolutely screaming behind Prof if he makes winners finals. I mean, it, when he's in winners semis to make it to winners finals too. But just think about how excited they're going to be if he does make it into winners finals. I mean, that could that could end up being scary. I, the opponents after that, though, would be pretty tough. Um, I don't really see Prof taking out Amsa at this time. And also, from what I understand, Pipsqueak has had pretty dominant uh, records against him. So mm-hmm. I, I think Winner's Finals, the projected matches would be pretty hard. But just making it to Winner's Finals would be absolutely phenomenal for him. I think he's seated um, eighth right now, so that would be pretty good for him. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Amsa, obviously someone that... Is not invulnerable against Fox, who's seen Josh Man take take a set, but and we obviously saw IBW win a tournament over him, but that's still someone you shouldn't sleep on in the matchup. So mm-hmm. obviously no, 
no slash. It's not like someone that you can just solve. Yeah, no. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> yeah, no, he's proved to be completely unsolvable. Every time people think that they have even somewhat of a read on him, he just proves us all wrong and shows us that he's capable of beating literally anyone. There, there's truly no player that Amsa can't beat. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what tricks that Pip has up his sleeve against Amsa. I think yeah. you know Pip is someone that I would I would personally describe as a lab monster and oh. like a study bug, study bug player, someone who's not going to get caught off by character unfamiliarity. Will do a lot of prep work into the set. Obviously, Amsa is the same way, and beating beating Amsa certainly not not something that you can just waltz right into doing. But yeah, yeah I, that I would say out of the out of the potential sets at Fate. I would go as far to say as that's the set that I'm most excited to watch for sure. Yeah, no, Pip versus Amsa is going to be, it's going to go hard for sure. I mean, um, if I'm not mistaken, Sweden actually does have a solid Yoshi main in Rev. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know exactly how good he is, but I know he, he's at least notable enough to be like mentioned somewhat frequently. So I'm sure Pip, I'm sure Pip uh, has at least. I mean, maybe he's, he's probably hitting him up for some net play or something like that, if not other Yoshi players. But um, yeah, I'm sure Pip's also watching plenty of VODs, getting ready to try and take down. Um, that would be his biggest win, wouldn't it, if he does beat Amsa? By far, it would yeah, be. Yeah. I think it would be it would be bigger than even beating Leffen on fra frame one or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did beat Leffen when Leffen was using the frame one. That's right. I think this would be like a oh, yeah. huge step forward for him. For sure. So um, one thing, I just to go back to Prof for a second, I never got to, uh, I, I like totally forgot until now. You know, when uh, when Triff was around and, and quite active, uh, Triff, would, Triff would usually kind of trounce most of Europe, right? But, there right. Were, but in the last two years, like two of the people that didn't just like keel over and die when they played Triff were Pipsqueak and Prof. And Prof actually... Uh, you know, used, for the longest time, I used to get annoyed when people would say that Prof was hard for Triff, especially because Triff for a while seemed like he had figured him out. But honestly, during the pandemic, Prof had kind of like turned it around. So if Triff is competing at this tournament and we see Triff playing Peach, you know, trying his hardest, I think Prof is certainly someone that would be a that would be a bit of a daunting draw for Triff. Honestly, that that's not easy at all. Yeah, and we don't know how in practice Triff is. I mean. I believe he just finished some studies uh, at, um, today, actually. Um, but at the same time, I also hear stories about him playing unranked all the time. Um, so I'm sure he's still at least somewhat in shape, even if even if it might just be uh, absolutely terrorizing the the good people of the EU. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we um, Why don't we make our picks then? Who do you think is going to win Fate 2? Hmm. That is a good question. I'm looking here at the top eight. I think if I had to go with a pick, I feel like it... Hmm. I, I feel like it has to be one of the, the uh, top two seeds. Uh, Pipper, Skurza, or not Skurza, <laughs> Amsa. I was looking at... Uh, his set before that, which is with Skirzo. Um, um, I feel like you want to say Pip, so I, I I feel like I should leave you that. I I think um, 
You know what? No, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going with Pip. I think Pip's going to beat AMSA. I think he's going to put in the time and uh, and study all the AMSA VODs that he can, get in the practice with any Yoshi main that, that's able that uh, that's able to play him. And uh, I think he's going to manage to take him down. And after that, he'll have a probably an easier matchup in winner's finals. And th- with that, he can get into uh, grand finals. And I, I think from there, he's, he's uh, a really good spot. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I think Pipsqueak will 6-0 every single player in the world and four-stock them, except for Chape, Grab, Sharp, Chape, who who Pipsqueak will trade sets with them, and they'll they'll all go equal again against each other. Right? They're gonna tie, tie, yeah. on, tie on the same frame. Yeah. So I'm gonna. So obviously, I think Pipsqueak will win the tournament dominantly by embarrassing everyone he plays, except for Abe and, and Sharp or whomever. But uh, I think that. Uh, but but on a serious note, I will say I I think if you're like kind of neutrally watching the tournament. I do think AMSA, like the the prospect of beating AMSA, I think is quite difficult. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's many people here that that could do it. I think Spark can, can certainly do it. I think obviously Pipsqueak, you know, we, we've seen, it's it's not likely, but we've seen some, we've seen precedent for someone beating AMSA, like mm-hmm. their first time in like this season. So I don't think it's totally out of the question for, for someone like Pip to do it. I think it's actually kind of reasonable, like even yeah. if it's not favored to happen, right? Yeah, both um, Pip and Amsa. Act, yeah, both Pip and Amsa actually have, uh, or sorry, both Pip and Spark actually have matches which might be kind of difficult um, in theory for them getting into top eight. I mean, Pip is going to be up against Skurzo, who um, if he's perform, I mean, Pip is amazing at the Fox Ditto. Don't get me wrong, but when Skurzo is playing like really well. It, he's one of those players who has such an explosive ceiling that it does feel like he might be able to take down Pip. If, and also it's Fox Dittos too, which like... The- yeah, you never know how, like when people are, like even if someone is a little bit off in a Fox Ditto that they're quote unquote supposed to win, they could just mm-hmm. get run over. Like yeah. it, it happens quite a bit in the matchup. And then um, Spark, in order to get into winner's top eight, actually has Triff. Now, normally any chic main myself included rubbing our hands together at the sight of a peach in our bracket but triff is like just completely different i mean i i'm never gonna forget the i I know i know griffin doesn't really like the peach matchup actually but i can't help but remember the sort of uh beating that triff gave him at smash world tour uh at the finals like that that was a pretty tough one Triff looked so comfortable just at like 180%. Um, but yeah, if Triff is in form, that could actually be pretty tough for Spark. You know, Triff is so difficult to predict, right? Because he's so difficult to predict because we haven't seen him in a while. But when we do see Triff at tournaments, he's so reliable. Like there's always, it, it's kind of like a, you have to be tall to ride the roller coaster <laughs> thing. Where it's like, if you're not top 40 level, Triff will just run you over. Yeah, you don't right? exist to him. He, he's, you're just nothing. He's going to yeah, He's going to take a lead against you, and then he's going to float in the top right of the screen where you can't hit him. And he's going to know that you're fishing for kill moves, and you'll just, like, die a slow, grueling death against him. Yeah. No, yeah, Triff, Triff is very hard to upset um, if you're not on that level yet. So I'll, I, I would be surprised if uh, Triff doesn't make it to spark um it looks like he, he does have mint 
Um, and Mint is no slouch at all. But I don't know if Mint has ever actually beaten Triff. And, and I'm just saying that truly. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't think he has. Um, so, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, Mint also, this is someone who we've known has been quite great for a while. Um, you know, showed glimpses of, it, glimpses of it during the pandemic. Hasn't really been around too much nowadays. So, it, you know, that this is another question mark he- heading into the tournament. Like, based on the potential we saw from Mint in 2019 and, you know, fought, you know successive years from that, like, we could certainly see it, right? All it takes is one tournament to for, you know, people gassing up their you know regional regional boy to like suddenly be vindicated right mm-hmm. like to me has always been on the cusp of, of that yeah. there's a place to do it it would be now but but i will say that you know we, we just haven't seen that much of him this year so i'm you know it's a, it's a treat seeing someone like mint and bracket anyway yeah and um one other thing i actually just noticed uh bbats is going to be going mm-hmm. and bbats has somewhat of an interesting and honestly pretty difficult bracket it looks like he has to play frenzy in uh the round before quarters into um amsa in in uh, winners quarters just to make top eight winners and like if you told me that a year ago i would be like wait a minute amsa has a peach that's going to be scary for him um but after watching what amsa did to kalamazoo at genesis i mean we we were watching that in person that was that was a set and a half right there. Actually, maybe that was yeah. half. You bring up Kalamazoo. I mean, even Lod. Yeah, that's like, right. I never thought Lod. I never thought Lod would lose to Yoshi once, let alone twice in a row. That was yeah. unbelievable. No, yeah, that that was definitely crazy. Um, I mean, if if it was Triff versus Amsa, then it would be definitely scarier. <laughs> we haven't yet seen Amsa have like a great show. I'm pretty sure Triff's just like pretty solidly undefeated against Amsa. Um, so yeah, that would be a bit tougher. Um, and B-Bats, the one showing against Yoshi I know he has is at Get On My Level, where he fought Egg Money, um, went down 2-0, but then managed to reverse 3-0. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I mean, maybe B-Bats learned enough from that set where he... Actually, <laughs> you can't learn enough to be ready for Onset. <laughs> I feel like Onset is just such a different beast. It's like even, even the people in New York that played like Whiskers... Yeah. Who, very strong player, you know, a long time great of that region. I yeah. feel like even the jump from someone like Whiskers to Amsa is just like so huge. And that's yeah. no that's no shade to Whiskers or any other very good Yoshi player. It's just Amsa is truly a different beast. Yeah, yeah. But Bbats did prove his his uh, ability to sort of like learn on the fly in in that matchup at least. So I mean, in theory, maybe he can get it done. But it's certainly not quite as much of a, like a toss up but again like even to get there he's gonna have to get past frenzy which i think is actually gonna be pretty hard quite hard yeah frenzy i frenzy is like i mean he's an an amazing player i'm sure he's also preparing for the peach matchup right now um because i'm sure he wants to win that set and uh take down v bats but we'll we'll have to see uh, if he's able to get done all right so I guess with with fade out of the way, we can kind of quickly talk about Smash Factor a little bit because that's another tournament that's happening this weekend. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun seeing the return of Smash Factor. I, I gotta say, you know that that was a tournament that 
you know, usually every year it would bring out Texas, bring out a lot of Mexico. If you know anything about Melee stats, you'll know that, you know, one of our running gags from way back used to be that Mexico is secretly a top five smash region because yeah. it just had a bunch of sick players that, that were top hundred level, but never went to anything and just like all beat each other. So it's kind of fun seeing a bit of that again. It's also fun seeing Latin America come out to this tournament. I know that, uh, no, in addition to you know our, our friend Chape being there, J Cam is going to be there as well. So we're, we're going to be seeing a lot of like Central America at this tournament. We're seeing Riken, you know, the other one of the other top play, like a top three player in Chile coming out to uh, coming out to this event. We're seeing Johnny potentially Wizard. Fingers crossed. Hopefully everything with his health is going all right and he's able to attend. I I think uh, I think this will be a really another exciting tournament. And I think the, the the thing with Smash Factor, to to me at least, is like usually when you think of like what are the most important things from a tournament or the most memorable things, you usually think like top eight, right? No matter what. I actually feel like Smash Factor that I'm really excited to see how like top 32, 64 or or so it turns out, right? You got a lot of interesting matches that coming up ahead. You have the Chape, potentially the Chape Eddie Mexico rematch. You got Chango versus Aaron. You got a Smash Daddy versus Azza like match or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like there's there's a ton to talk about. But uh, what are you looking for at this event personally? Like, what do you what stands out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the most is J Cam. Um, J Cam is a player that we do not get to see enough of. Uh, he is an absolute beast on net play. I think he basically farms like all of the Central American stuff. Um, and we got to see him at Smash World Tour, which is phenomenal. Um, he had some really great sets there. Uh, got to show off some great stuff. So it's going to be awesome to see him on land. It looks like he's going to be playing against meds, which definitely seems doable for him. Um, I mean, meds is a great player. Meds is like, top 50 level i don't think he's on the ballot for activity but he's certainly um is top 50 level historically for sure yeah absolutely so that'll be a great set um and yeah jcam i could definitely see him like making his way into winner's semis and possibly even further uh so yeah it's gonna be a real treat to get to watch jcam also we're seeing um obviously Wizrobe. we haven't seen him since I think since 2021, has he entered anything this year? I think Smash World Tour Championships was the last thing he entered. Yeah, so the the very end of uh, of December 2021, where he did amazing. That he got second there. Um, did did get uh, blown up by Plop, but I mean that's that's not out of the ordinary. Plop doesn't really lose to Captain Falcon except the one time that he did. Um, but yeah, so it's gonna. I, I'm also really hoping that we get to see Wizrobe. And then, uh, I mean, th there's just a ton of really amazing uh, Mexican melee players that are going to be there. Like we have Javi, we have Aza, um, we have Valdo and Far. I mean, Far. I think Far is so legit. That guy, yeah. nobody knows how good he is. <laughs> Far nearly defeated Amsa at Smash World Tour, if I'm not mistaken. That was a game fiver. Um, also had a very close set with Zane at Double Down. Unfortunately, didn't quite take it to game five there. But he was about to win game three in order to go up 2-1. So the way that he was about to win game three when Zane upbeed, and I think he like he upbees on the right of Dreamland, but he misses the platform, lands on the ground, 
And instead of punishing him, I think Far does like a full jump in place because he's just so caught off guard by the fact that like he has the game in his hands and he ends up losing yeah. it, unfortunately. But no, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be amazing to see him play as well. I mean, I'm also looking forward to him and Jake Hem, especially seeing as they're chic players as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the two of them are players that we just don't get to see enough of. So it's gonna be phenomenal to watch them play. Also right. Oh. Yeah, Riken, of course. Yeah, and another Chil- Chilean player com- coming up. God, I-, I I feel like we could just go down the list and talk about all these guys, but I want to keep it a really like simple for a second. So I'm gonna ask you if there's a set that you want to watch this weekend of all the players heading to Smash Factor. No, uh, and don't just I'm gonna quickly make an exception. Don't say Wizard versus SJ because that. Obviously, yeah, I want to see that too. I wasn't but... gonna do that anyway. <laughs> oh, you were gonna do that. Okay. No. Discounting that or so, discounting something like that. What set do you want? Potential set do you want to see the most from this weekend? So I have mm. an answer for this. I think it's by far the standout answer. But I want to hear what you have to say. Let's see here. I'm taking a look at the player list. At least I feel like it's got to be. Hmm. For me, I feel like it has to be something with JCam or Far. Um, but let me see mm-hmm. who we can see them up against. Um, I mean, maybe. Well, I don't know. Can I can tell you my pick? Yeah, no, go ahead. I'm I'm still looking here, trying to figure the, it out. The single set of melee that I want to happen this weekend is JCam versus Chape. Oh, and yeah. I think and I think this for a variety of reasons. I think they're both so good in that matchup. I think JKM is certainly no slouch against Fox. Chape is no is incredible against Sheik. Um, and I think the fact there's a lot of like really fun storylines going on within their their match against each other. You have the best of Central America, you know the 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 top dog of Panama going against you know the best player in Chile. You know you got Central America versus South America, but it's happening and it's happening in Mexico. So it's not necessarily the matchup that you'd immediately think of. Like usually you think of either like the top seeds clashing or you think of a Mexican player like, you know, defend defending Mexico against like the out of region players. But I honestly think that the set I'm most excited to watch is between or that I really hope happens is between a guy from Panama and a guy from Chile. I think uh, I would really, really love to see how set between those two go. And I, I think your pick of J-Cam as a player to look out for is excellent. This is, yeah. this is again, someone who I think throughout 2021 got a lot of hype as, as a potential top 100 player. Fortunately, had a bit of a tough showing at Smash World Tour where he was in a, he was in a pool that, that where he took people like Lod and Ghidorin close and then just got randomly dunked on by Ja Raiden. Like, oh, I forgot about that. Wow, yeah. Yeah. one of the most random sets ever, by the way. It's just like if you had told me Jaw Raiden was just gonna destroy J Cam, it was com- completely out of nowhere. It was, it was insane, actually. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited to be seeing him again, and, and I really want to. Uh, I want Chop and J Cam to play each other. Yeah, I mean that definitely makes the most sense to me. I don't. I didn't know if they'd actually played before. I'm sure they've net played and played friendlies, but I don't know if they've ever had a LAN tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's definitely got to be like the the number one thing to watch out for. Um, I'm thinking some other stuff though that, that could be interesting as well. I mean, I'd love to see Far uh, if he gets to play some of the 
Well, there aren't. I feel like this tournament's sort of lacking like a Marth. You do have meds, but I wouldn't expect to see him play Marth against anyone besides like Spacey's. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. probably not going to see any chic Marth action at this tournament, at least in like the the top level. Um, but yeah, Jay Candler's meds. That, I'm also looking forward to that set too. I think that one's going to be a heater. So just to put a wrap on Smash Factor, assuming that Wizard goes, do we think anybody beats him? Hmm. Let's see. So S2J the two seed, Lucky the three seed. I mean, S2J is in great form right now. And Wizrobe is definitely, uh, like, he's been out of commission, to say the least. I mean, I honestly think Lucky is in incredible form. Yeah. Lucky started the PGR season not looking too hot and was even struggling in SoCal for a bit. I think his last, like, three to four events, he really turned it around. Like, you look at his resume, it's quite it's quite good beating people like Ben, Zuppy, like Professor Pro, Frenzy. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously it was outside of the PGR season, but double eliminating Polish at Phantom. Lucky, like no one wants to talk about it, but like June to July, Lucky has just been completely different. He looks he looks like he's getting back to his old, which is really exciting. It's really thrilling to see. Yeah, Lucky, Lucky's always uh, super fun to watch when he's playing well. Something that I'm sure a lot of people remember very fondly from him was his run at uh, Netplay for Palestine, which he mm -hmm. did end up winning. Um, that was a, a very good showing by him. So, yeah, I mean, Lucky's going to be exciting. Uh, I guess I won't really know who I think is going to take it until I see Wizrobe's first test of the tournament. Um, so that's probably that's probably Bimbo. Um, don't really think Alex19 is uh, too much of a test for Wizrobe as great of a player as Alex has been in the past. Um, and having taken a set off Wizrobe in the past. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But right now, don't don't really think he's going to be too much of a test. Maybe I'll be surprised. Um, but I think like the Bimbo set will be the first sort of uh, test for Wizzy to see, okay, is he in shape to take this tournament? Or might this actually end up going someone else's way come top eight? Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I always forget S2J and was I always forget the top three Captain Falcons sort of uh, records on each other. If I remember correctly, I think it sort of does go in a triangle where where one's dominant on the other, dominant on the others, dominant on the on the. the yeah, no, none typically has a Johnny's number. Oh, okay. But, so uh, Wizrobe and then Wizrobe beats none more often than not. Okay, so then there there you have it. Then maybe S2J is going to sort of continue that and prove like even if Wizrobe is in his top shape right now I've still got him I'm at my top shape you can see me winning all these Verdugos uh you can see me beating Hungry Box um probably looking like a top like 20 level player not sure exactly where he lands in there but definitely his top 20 level right now um and yeah Wizrobe I mean he's just not tested we just haven't seen him in almost eight months now which is a very long time but i yeah. i do think oh man it's so hard to call i think in in my heart i do believe that wizrobe still has it um just because he's such an amazing player i mean it's not like we've seen any anything to lead me to believe he's going underperform 
we just have doubt in our mind because we haven't seen him perform at all. Um, his last tournament was great. So we don't have any reason to think like, oh, Wizard's not been doing well lately. His, his end of 2021 for him was amazing. All right. I think you gave some pretty good reasons. I think, uh, I think it, I think, uh, I can't really tell whether you're going with, so are you going with your heart here in Wizrobe no, or are you going with Wizrobe? I think, I think that we haven't, we don't have a reason to doubt him right now. Uh, it's just, it's just the fact that we haven't seen him, right? Exactly. I mean, like, we don't know if he'll be here to be. That's true. He might not even show up. Yeah. And, you know, hope, hopefully everything with that gets, gets sorted out. But, uh, you know, I think I'm going to say it. I'm a lucky believer. I think Lucky's going to win this tournament. Lucky has just really wowed me with this turnaround in the last two months. I think, you know, he started training a lot more seriously. He's now streaming on Mango's channel every Monday or so. Um, I, I've always I, I've always thought that, like, Lucky has been, like, a very hot or cold player, typically depending on his motivation, how seriously he wants to take melee. And lately, it feels like he, he's really started to turn it around in his, in his like, kind of performances. It's been, like, a fun storyline to follow in the early summer. And I think this is if, – if you had to kind of, like, manufacture the type of tournament that Lucky would do well in, what would you give him, right? You give him a lot of fast followers. You give him Falcon. Yeah. You, you give him Falcon. Uh, I know he's not invincible against, like, Falco by any means, but, like, I still think he's strong in that matchup. I think uh, certainly the Fox Ditto is something that I would say he's pretty good in. Um, he's he's good against certain types of sheiks. I think he. he I, I think, that. Yeah, he's. Yeah, been I, a, I don't think. Uh, I don't think he's particularly great against like all the types of sheiks, but I think. But I think he does well against like the far style, like you know, Dreffen, like. Yeah. I think, I think even, even Ben, he would he would do pretty good good against for someone who's like a little more balanced. Like I think. Uh, I just think like if you had to pick the kind of bracket that would do well and like the kind of like top opponents that lucky would do great against if he's playing really good i think it's a field like this one so yeah. i'm gonna go out on a limb and say i think lucky wins smash backer i think he can do it you know i definitely agree with you about this being the field for him um i'm not seeing any opponent where i look at them and i'm like "Ooh, that one's gonna be really tough for lucky like even prime whiz robe could definitely fall to lucky uh, <laughs> yeah lucky i mean he's he's played s2j for like what a decade and a half now yeah um, exactly mm -hmm. yeah, you can you can't count him out against falcon like that yeah so okay well it was good talk on smash factor why don't we move to some uh questions that we have from you from the patrons um obviously you are a patron yourself so I'm, i appreciate you not immediately answering the questions in the discord uh it'll be fun going through them right now um, I'm used to asking them. Now I'm I'm getting asked. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, I, I gotta say the um because you're typically one of the best question askers, the fact that you're now on the show has dropped a lot of the quality of questions. No, I no, I'm no, I'm just kidding. The questions this week were good. They were solid. A few a few bad bits. I really hate like some of the that some of the question askers like they make it a bit to ask the same question. And it's it's not a funny bit. Like it's not like it's so unfunny. Like I like the like I don't want to call out names here, but there are some like bits for questions that make me like the the person less for for, for doing them. And I just want uh God, I I know that like they've already won by the fact that I've like mentioned this on the show, but like a really unfunny bit for a patient question. Just like oh, don't ask me, please. Yeah. Oh my God. 
I'm not gonna ask you. The, the oh, question. okay, okay. I just want to let it know that like you won, you got what I wanted. Like not you, but like patron, yeah. like the, the patrons that keep doing these horrible bit questions. They won. They they occupy the space in my head. I can't let them go. How unfunny like it is. It's horrible, <laughs> and it makes me dislike them. <laughs> no, wow. I'm just kidding. That's cool. I appreciate your support. Hey, what am I talking about? Let's let's jump right into it. So the first question is from Chi, okay, and a fellow Sheik player. And this question, uh, you won't be surprised, uh, has to do with Sheik. What are your favorite Sheik sets that don't involve top players? Oh man, I saw this. I did see this question, and I thought about it for a few minutes. But I honestly was struggling to come up with like a, an, an immediate answer. Um, obviously, I, I wouldn't include anything um, involving myself, not because I'm a top player, but just because I don't want to like talk about like. I don't know, own. man. I, I think Seal Seal versus Zebor <laughs> is a the great example of a top player <laughs> sheep match. Oh um. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was trying to think here of like some some really good chic sets. It's also kind of hard because I, I don't know exactly what qualifies as a top player. Um, but hmm, some some really good chic sets. I feel like it would have to be something out of like a a, a good regional rivalry. Um, I'm sure, like Larfren versus Kiani's, they must have had some bangers in there. <laughs> I'm sure they have. Um, or, or you could say like um, Ben and, and Preeminent. I'm sure that they've had dozens and dozens of great sets. Um, although Ben's kind of a top player now, so maybe he's disqualified. Um, hmm. I, I really want to come up with something here because I feel like I should have an answer, but this one's kind of tough, at least off the top of my head. I'm gonna guess that Chi means like top ten, like like you can't say Plup versus Mewtwo King at CEO or something. I'm gonna guess that that's what okay. it means. Hmm. If we're not, if we're if we're going, if we're letting it stretch that far, um, let's see. I also want to make sure it's a good answer too. If I give it, um. Hmm. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. You're taking too long to answer this. Yeah, I I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head like that. I I tried to think about it earlier, but uh, uh yeah, I, I I might have to I might have to fold I might have to fold this question. Maybe I'll yeah, answer. Yeah, I'm gonna have to count this as Chi owning you. Just for <laughs> oh God. <laughs> if, you, if you two ever play in bracket, he's actually starting off the set. Want to know? Oh no, it's over. I'll, right. I'll I'll try and answer the question later, at least in like the patron channel or something like that. All right, here's a second question: Do melee comment or excuse me? Do melee commenters feel like they're a dis different subsection of the melee community? This is a pretty long question, so I just kind of abridged it. But basically, the the gist of the question is that sometimes, like you know, there's there's a melee comments scene and like the way that people talk to each other. Like oh, like on YouTube? <laughs> yeah. On like YouTube oh, and, and like, and it feels like it's part of the scene, but it's also kind of its own thing. So the, the gist of the question is, does it feel like a different subsection of the melee community, or how tied it, it, how tied in is it to like the concept of the melee community? Yeah. Well, 
most most uh comment sections on on melee channels are very bad um especially on vods like you can go on basically any literally any vod any vod from like a major tournament and there will be a comment complaining about the commentary does not matter who is commentating doesn't matter who's playing there's gonna be some jerk off in the comments who's like god these commentators suck doesn't matter who it is so i mean that always is just so annoying um and they don't even give any anything constructive either uh, and then also a lot of people who like comment on youtube videos are just not involved with the scene at all and they just don't know who anyone is or they're just like extremely rude to people like <laughs> there's this one this one comment on on uh crudo versus m2k at smash world tour this guy who's just like so irate like crudo literally ruined his entire year by beating m2k he he comments and then replies to his own comment like six times just talking about how like angry he is and how fraudulent the set is and like you see that a lot like i i know i've seen like some some like rude comments on like wally's sets too and it, it just really bothers me but that being said there are definitely some some very uh, nice people in the comments there's some very knowledgeable people i would like <laughs> i mean yeah you could say that but um other people besides me as well there's some nice people who i've met uh i've actually encountered um some people on unranked who i recognize from <laughs> melee youtube comments but basically i would liken um melee youtube comment sections sort of to just like the ssbm reddit um where there's some like complete idiots on there. There's a lot of complete idiots on there, but there's also plenty of people who do know what they're talking about and are looking to actually engage in actual discussion. Um, and th this goes beyond tournament VODs too. It goes towards like melee um, entertainment content. Like you have like your awesome sauce videos or um, even melee stats documentaries, or, or you have your informative stuff. Like I'm not gonna, mad, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I'm mad that you brought up awesome sauce before us. I mean, to be fair, Awesome Sauce is probably one of the biggest melee content creators right now. Like everyone, yeah, everyone loves everyone loves his videos. Even people that don't play melee, yeah, um, everybody loves Awesome Sauce, right? Too. <laughs> I love Awesome Sauce. That guy's great. Um, but I also love melee stats. I do um, do a show. <laughs> I um, what do you mean? Uh, oh my god! Oh man! All right. Oh well. But, but yeah, I mean, you have, you have people who are like, you have people who do know what they're talking about and are interested. So yeah, it's, it's sort of like that SSBM Reddit where you have like good posters, like you'll, you'll have coffee, like saying something funny on, on your thread. Um, yeah. So I would, I would say it's sort of separate from like the actual tournament going community. Um, I would say so similar to the Reddit feels like only like 10% of the people actually attend tournaments and of that 10% maybe like 2% are actually decent all right the next question is from Melee stats a staff member and patron somehow uh, it's from sf oh okay. <laughs> what's your favorite commentary block now i think he means just like uh for yourself but I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, so you can give an answer for yourself, like what, when you think you did your best commentary. But uh, I do want to know, like, if, if there's any like commentary blocks from anyone else in particular that stand out in your mind as like great commentary blocks that you remember. Uh, I'd be interested to hear, like, you know, what what stands out for you. Yeah. 
So you can answer it in both both ways. Well, yeah, I can I can go right ahead, at least with the one for me. It's actually not too difficult. Um, I think the invincible uh, commentary block just to just a week and a half ago is probably my best yet. Um, I was really happy with like the first like two minutes of it, introducing the the top eight of the tournament. It was the biggest one um, there in six years, not counting Smash and Splash. Um, and then introducing Chape and his matchup experience against Q. So yeah, I was really happy with that. Um, and then moving on towards other people, I mean, I have a meme answer that I can share right off the bat. Um, Webs and Hindog at Super Rubicon. That was the all-time classic. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of like a more serious answer, um, I, I really enjoyed this year. I enjoyed uh, CEO Top 8 featuring um, our friends uh, Jack, Zilla, Wheat, and Chroma. Um, they, those guys are always... Uh, they're all, every, anytime Chroma's on the mic, you know you're going to get a, a bunch of laughs. Um, I, mm -hmm. I truly think he's like the funniest person in the entire Melee community. Um, but, but yeah, like that, that one was really fun. It was also just cool to see Wheat. And I think Wheat, he, he did a great job of knowing when to speak because he, he like didn't talk too much, but every time he did, he said something very insightful. Um, I also really enjoyed um, actually Walton Radar on uh, Gommel Top 8. I think they they did a great job, especially there. Like compared to previous blocks, I super super enjoyed that one. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I'll go with those three. I have my meme answer, and then like two recent tournaments that I really enjoyed. See, so really quickly before we go go on to the last patron question, I gotta know your take. Uh, who's the who is the best melee commentator of twenty twenty two? I picked Vish for my column a couple weeks ago. Would you go with someone else, or do you think it's Vish? Vish is a really great pick. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Vish, both as a player and as a commentator. I, I think that guy's really awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. Like, Vish just he goes with anyone. He He's always got positive attitude. Like you, like you actually wrote about this. Like I, I thought, I thought the same thing before even reading your article. I think Vish, he always has such like a warm aura about him. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'll side with you. I, I would give it to Vish as well. All right. And for the last patron question, this one has come from the legend Stock Money. What's your, uh, what is your favorite local rivalry when you were in Wisconsin? Ooh, a local rivalry in Wisconsin. Let's see here. Might need to take a second here to think about this one because there, there's definitely uh, some good stuff. I mean, like as, between, uh, between sort of like regions, at least just to begin with, the Milwaukee versus Madison rivalry was always great. Um, they, they had uh, it's an amazing crew battle, which I really recommend watching from Invincible Three. Um, it's called Madison versus the Guild. The Guild being like. Uh, Milwaukee plus some non-Milwaukee people like Rice, who's from Janesville, um, mm -hmm. sort of like fill out their roster. That that was a really really exciting crew battle. Um, so that that's a great rivalry. Um, but in terms of players, um, hmm. I mean, it's always uh, it's always been interesting uh, coming up in Madison, where uh, Lord English, the Jigglypuff, was always number one, seeing like who was able to challenge him lowercase hero now the best in the state also uh but i mean i don't think madison's had a new ranking but uh he's clearly the best player in madison right now 
Um, so that's got to be up there too, the two of them, um, their shift. Um, trying to think of like a, a more mid-level one as well. Oh, oh, actually, I know what the, the single answer is. Um, this one is sort of a dead rivalry now, sadly. Um, but Squizzage and Gary Oak is actually one of my favorite rivalries in Wisconsin Melee history. So for those who don't know, Gary Oak is a Fox player um, from Milwaukee, who I believe he's in Tennessee now um, and doesn't really compete, but he, he still net plays occasionally. Um, he's very good. He was sort of like the second best there for a time, just below Danny Phantom, who's number one. Um, and Squizzage is a Marth player who now is like um, top like four, top three or four-ish in medicine. Like he's, he's excellent. Um, he just graduated from there. Also a great friend of mine. I farm him, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, um, Squizzage and Gary Oak, they, they, they sort of actually embodied the Milwaukee versus Madison rivalry where they would be the two people who are like most eager to talk shit about the opposing team. Because sort of uh, Danny Phantom's not really much of a shit talker. So uh, Gary Oak filled that spot. And the two of them got into some arguments. Um, and they had a they had a close set, uh, which Gary Oak did win. He came out on top of that one. And they buried the hatchet after that. They're like, all right, <laughs> we got respect now. But yeah, that, that was always a fun rivalry. I was just waiting for the day that they would play for so long. So yeah, that, that's got to be my pick, Squizzage or Gary Oak. That's a great answer. All right, so as you know, Seal, we have a segment on the show where we like to kind of remind everyone that we're people outside of Melee and that we have other interests and everything like that. So um, this segment is not named anything. Um, I can't really think of like two words that it's called. Um, we've been really we've been thinking about like what to call this segment for a while so we we just haven't come up with a name or anything like that not nothing that comes in mind like like uh you know we did bring up uh one thing like he did bring up one suggestion but it was so lame and and kind of a it like i i, I don't even remember what it was so i guess we're just gonna call this segment uh we're gonna call the segment unplugged and <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and in the unplugged segment uh we we talk about well, whatever we're doing or whatever we did the last week that uh has nothing to do with melee so steel why don't you start off with what have you been working on or what's what's preoccupied you that has nothing to do with melee sure um so i mean the main thing like outside of work and whatnot. I'm doing some uh, training right now for work, which is the reason I'm actually able to even be here since I typically work a bit later. I'll also, um, planning out my move. I'll be moving to Indiana. Um, but something that I would like to mention that wasn't really something that I did, but it's something that's just been relevant for me lately. Um, my little brother finally played a game that I had been asking him to play for two years. It's one of, uh, it's a game that I really love. Um, played it in 2020, and I strongly recommend it to pretty much anyone. Um, it's a game that's called One Shot. Um, I absolutely love this game. So it, it was really cool for me to sort of uh, get to basically show it to my little brother, say, give this a try, um, and uh, just like 
talk about it with him, what, like his reaction stuff. It's, it's one of those games where you really want to go into it blind. Um, you don't want to, like, if anyone is watching this and they're going to consider playing it, don't, don't look up the game. Um, just, well, I mean, you have to look it up in order to get it, but um, like, don't, don't look up any of like the themes or stuff like that. Just, uh, you'll just want to dive in. It's, it's not too long. It's like a, uh, I don't know, like eight hour game or something like that. And it does a lot of really cool things as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've just been like re-listening to the soundtrack for that game like all day today because it's really good. Um, and it makes me feel things. Uh, it's, a, it's a game that emotionally uh, impacted me a lot. So um, yeah, and I think it's actually coming out on, on consoles later this year. Though I definitely recommend playing it on a computer. Uh, that's the, the best way to do it in the original intent. Um, so yeah, if anyone is listening, play one shot. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, listeners of the show won't be able to immediately tell this, but viewers of it can. I actually uh, moved out of Boston last week, and now I, I moved to the suburbs with my spouse. We got a house and everything. So I've just been really enjoying living here. It's kind of beautiful where we live. A lot of green um you know we're in a bit a bit of like a nice neighborhood but it's also not that far off from the main road so it's just been nice having a yard my dog's been really happy so i've been spending a lot more time with him than usual i had to pick up on you know taking care of a house a little more so it's kind of like my uh my new like it's not really a project as much as a, like a, I have to pick up a new set of skills, right? So I have to manage my utilities a bit more actively and be involved in like housework, like, you know, like, a little, like, like handy stuff, right? Like knowing how to put things together, knowing how to, you know, fix things and everything. It's a bit challenging, but it's fun. I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I love living in the house. I, I love living in the city for a while. Uh, Boston is great spent some of the best years of my life there but uh i've really kind of tuned into my, my new home i i really love it and i'm just happy to be here with my family i'm kind of getting to that point now where like i'm still in my 20s right so it's not it's not totally over for me but but i but i'm 28 i have another two years i'm settling down when you get older you start seeing a lot more of your parents and yourself both for both for better and for worse in some cases. And it's just, uh, I've been thinking a lot about my parents and the ways that I kind of, uh, the ways that I not only take after them in some ways, but the, but the ways that I like replicate my relationships with other people and the way that like they do it with, with their friends and everything. And, and that's not always a bad thing, right? It's just, uh, you know, time goes by, your tastes change, but also sometimes you kind of return to things you were and like you, you revisit things that you took for granted or like like uh, or just like you see the importance of things that you took or that you never really thought about before or that you once thought about and you realize that they're even more important than you initially thought so i don't know everything in life is a cycle in, in some way and i've just been been thinking a lot about that like living in a uh just living in a home now like you know, when I, when I was when I was a kid, I always thought, oh, like once I move out of the suburbs, I'll I'll never go back. Like I'll always live in the city for the rest of my life. And look at me now; I lived in the city for a bit. Now, not I'm not back in the same town or anything. Like I live on my own, but it's just like you know, I'm back in the suburb. And I guess uh, it's where I'm at. Hopefully, I spend the rest of my life here. 
Wow, that was uh, very uh, touching. You were talking you talking about a lot of like family stuff. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, so one of the nice things, like if I like when you just like close the uh, thread, is that my uh, it, it was kind of hard to see the rest of my family in Boston just because going to see them typically, you know, it required me to take the train, which wasn't too bad, but then I needed to get picked up from the train station or I had to drive to see them and driving out of Boston was just like miserable. So now, you know, my, my immediate family is about 15 minutes away and I get to like, just, and I, I don't have to walk all the way to my car. Like I can, I can just see them, which is, which is really nice. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, glad you're enjoying the new house. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be in like a city part of like, like Indianapolis, the city itself, or are you going to be living outside? Um, I'll be, I'll be, uh, honestly don't know how to call it. It's pretty close there. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's really, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like roommates or friends that you're splitting with? Or... Um, no, not yet. I'm going to be living on my own for the first year, but I'm not going to be surprised if I end up, uh, like sharing an apartment with the melee player by next year. <laughs> uh, just don't quite know anyone well enough yet to like reach out. I mean, I, I'm, I, uh, know of, and I've like briefly met some of the melee players from Indianapolis. Um, but I, I definitely not the kind of guy who will just move in with someone without like, at least kind of knowing them. Um, so yeah, I'll be, I'll be living on my own for at least the year first. Yeah. That's nice. Living on your own is nice. Yeah. And, uh, just in case, uh, someone doesn't know where to find you or where to follow you, uh, where can, uh, where can the people listening or watching the show or anytime in the future, see what you're up to? Yeah. Um, well, I don't really do too much social media stuff uh, these days. I actually have been tweeting a little bit more than like prior year or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have a Twitter, SSB underscore seal. Um, most of my tweets there are just uh, when I'm going to be commentating something, I'll drop the link there. Or um, I don't know if I just have something random to say about Melee or if I do well at a tournament. I'll, I'll tweet it out because why not? Um, and I like reading and, and like, in, and like liking my friends tweets when they do well at tournaments as well. But, um, yeah, so I, I have Twitter, um, I have a YouTube channel as well, but I'm not like a YouTuber. I'm just a guy that sometimes uploads melee YouTube videos, whether it be my own netplay tournament runs or just a phone recording of a set. Um, also SSB underscore seal probably seen me in the comments before. Um, um, I guess I have a Twitch as well. I, I'm SSB underscore seal on everything. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I've been trying to stream more actively for like, or I've wanted to stream more actively, but I haven't done it in over like a year and a half now. So kind of failing at that. <laughs> All right. And if you really love this episode and you want to hear more of Melee stats and more of waiting for game, you can go to our YouTube channel where we upload episodes, um, Melee Stats Archive. You can just check that out. You can see this episode of Waiting for Game. You can see all our previous ones, as well as you know other sets and secondary you know footage that we have at, at events that we sometimes upload onto Melee Stats Archives. If you like what you see there and you want to see our long-form documentaries channel, you can go over to the primary Melee Stats channel on YouTube. So you can just search Melee Stats. And you'll see a bunch of videos come up like the game Nintendo wishes they ne never made. And you'll see things like Hanky Panky, um, you know, the, 
you know, Plup versus Prince of Boo, Michael versus Bananas, all the classics that are there, you can check out in the primary Melee Stats channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Melee Stats Pod. That's where we're going to be posting our last night in Melee series where we report on tournament results that happened the night before, as well as promote all our other Melee Stats stuff and Melee Stats stuff like things that we post on our website, such as Monday Morning Marth and Wednesday Melee, which which basically Monday Morning Marth over uh, overviews basically whatever the hottest topic in Melee is. I write it every week. It's a good column. And when's Melee previews the upcoming events with all the stream information that, that you need to know to figure out what's going on. And if you really love the things that Melee Stats does and you happen to have a couple bucks or so to throw our way, you can go to patreon.com slash Melee Stats where your support really means the world to us and it actively helps us contribute uh, things of value to the scene and helps us continue making a difference and providing the kind of content and contributions that make everyone in the scene happy. Like the sponsor, a little better. I slipped up in the middle, but for the most part, I think uh, I think that was all right. Yeah, no, I mean, I I'll I'll reiterate it too. Definitely support melee stats so that way they can sponsor more awesome players like Chape, Pip, um, Abe, Grab, and and Sharp. Um, mm -hmm. All those are going to be so exciting to to either have watched or continue to watch in the future. Uh, Seal. Thank you so much for joining us today. You were a great guest. It was fun talking to the Midwest and all these upcoming tournaments with you. JD, thanks for producing. Viewers and listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.